on stage and said, Everyone, I have our salvation. Now, if we can just get this camel through this needle, we'll all be saved. And proceeded to try to push the camel through. He didn't get very far. Um, <clears throat> but this is, this is the way that our world understands Jesus' words, isn't it? Right? The next five weeks, we're looking at some controversial sayings of Jesus uh, from Mark chapter 9 to 13. Um, and we're looking at, did Jesus really say that? Uh, now, a bit of a spoiler uh, for every one of these, uh, the answer is yes, he did. Um, but the real question, the real question is, what did Jesus mean? Is there more to it than that? Jesus isn't a superficial guy. His words have layers and layers of meaning. And I think this teaching will be really helpful, um, helpful opportunities for us to dig deeply into what Jesus says about these things. Um, so today we're looking at wealth. Um, did Jesus really say that about wealth and we'll hear today that jesus teaches uh the kingdom of heaven is greater than wealth the kingdom of heaven is greater than wealth wealth can be a barrier to entering the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is impossible to enter without god and the kingdom of heaven comes with many blessings and struggles in this life but the reward is worth it uh, now you might have noticed in our, that in our, in our passage as it was read the main idea of this passage is actually the kingdom of heaven uh, the kingdom of heaven is God's kingdom. It's the place where, um, where God's people enjoy his rule and his blessing. So those who trust in Jesus are in God's kingdom right now. Uh, one day, Jesus will return physically to establish his kingdom on earth. Uh, now, as this man comes up uh, and opens a dialogue with Jesus about entering the kingdom of God, he wants to be a part of the kingdom. And you see, he runs up, he kneels down, and um, he says, good teacher. He's showing a sign of respect. He's showing a keenness to be a part of the kingdom of God. But although he is keen, there is a problem. And we'll see that his wealth is a barrier to entering the kingdom of heaven. Uh, now, this barrier begins to express itself right away. Uh, this man misunderstands how salvation is received, how eternal life is received, how you enter the kingdom. He says, what must I do, good teacher? He believes the onus is on him to do something. I can have eternal life. I've just got to do something. Uh, and now Jesus has actually just said, everyone who um, everyone must receive the kingdom of heaven like a child. He says, I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The kingdom of heaven is not a reward. It's not something that you can earn. It's a, it's a gift for those who repent and turn to Jesus. Uh, now, hold that thought for a moment. Jesus addresses what the man is asking but uh, in a moment. But first, he questions the man about calling him good. The man's come up and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Uh, no one is good but God. So Jesus is um, uh, trying to get the man to realize something. He's sinful. He can't measure up to God's standards. No one's good except for God. You're not good, he's saying. It's a subtle hint. Jesus is saying, you can't make it on your own into eternal life. And then Jesus returns to the man's initial question. What must I do? Uh, now, Jesus has already hinted at the man's misunderstanding. What must I do? Well, you're, you're not actually good. There's, there's damage with your relationship with God that needs to be fixed. Why do you think you can earn a friendship with God? But, 
but Jesus answers the man on the man's own terms. And he kind of reminds me, Jesus reminds me a bit of Bunnings here. Um, I wonder whether you've ever gone to Bunnings with a DIY project and you said, I want to put these two things together, tell me how to do it. Um, I went there the other day, I wanted to um, uh, screw some, some metal into like a metal screen into some pine and I said, I want to screw this to this, but I'm not sure these screws are big enough. And they say, well, what sort of screws do you have? Uh, these are for screwing um, metal into metal. So we're not going to give you those, but let's go and find you some timber screws. And I'm like, wow, Bunnings is so helpful. Uh, this section was sponsored by Bunnings. Um, but, um, but they don't redesign your whole project, right? Bunnings tends to meet you where you're at. What have you got? What do you want to do? Okay, here's how to do it. And that's kind of what Jesus does, right? Jesus enters in to the man where he's at and says, well, um, if you've come to me um, with, with your project, want to get eternal life, and you want to be the one to earn it, here's how you do it. So um, Jesus does this for the man, right? If the man was to gain eternal life because of something that he achieved, how would he do that? The right way to do that would be through the law, right? So Jesus says, here's the law. Here's the commandments. These get you eternal life, right? Uh, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. These are five of the Ten Commandments. Uh, so the, the reason why this might work for salvation is uh, sin or rebellion against God, it brings death. If you keep the commandments... You'd be free from God's anger and judgment, and you would have eternal life. Uh, but after Jesus, uh, even after Jesus says, no one is good except God, the man says, I've kept these since I was a boy. And he claims that he has been keeping all of these, these five commandments um, since, since as a boy. Jesus looks at him at this point, and he loves him. He tells him he lacks one thing. Uh, what does he lack? Jesus says, go, sell all you have, give to the poor, and then come follow me. Well, the man is stunned, right, at this command, and he goes away sad because he had many possessions. Uh, what do we make of this? Uh, it's helpful, as we think deeply about this, to remember and consider a couple of things. Uh, the first one is, Jesus doesn't mention all of the Ten Commandments. Jesus only mentions five of them. He, Jesus leaves out the first four that talk about relationship with God. Don't have other gods besides me. Don't worship idols. Don't blaspheme. Keep the Sabbath. And Jesus also leaves out the last one, right? Do not covet. Do not lust after something that doesn't belong to you. Now in here, there are some commands that the man is failing to keep. His wealth is an idol to him. He refuses to give it up to follow Jesus. He has a God before Yahweh. What's his God? It's his wealth. So is the man really good? Has he really kept all of God's commandments? I would say no, probably not. Uh, the second thing to consider is Jesus is making a very specific point. Uh, one thing you lack is related directly, directly related to the man. And we'll hear this a few times. Jesus' words are particular to the man at this time. Uh, what does this man 
this individual lack at this time, uh, he's called by Jesus to give up his possessions. Uh, now, why is that? Uh, they are a barrier to him entering the kingdom of God. He refuses to give them up. Uh, one writer has said this about wealth, and I wonder whether you agree with this or not. Wealth brings protection against the unexpected. It can bring power over others. It brings the possibility of a self-indulgent lifestyle. And it's the most subtle and powerful of false gods. For this man to enter the kingdom of heaven, he needs to give up his idol, his wealth, and literally follow Jesus. Entering the kingdom on your own strength, what does that mean to do? It means fulfilling the whole law, not trusting in idols. Uh, now the man, sadly, he's unwilling to do this. He goes away sad. And this doesn't seem like a maybe he'll reconsider, although he might reconsider in the future. In this moment, he's choosing to reject Jesus' words. He's choosing to reject eternal life in favor of his wealth and his possessions. It's a really sad moment. And Jesus uses this as a teaching moment with his disciples. He says, the kingdom of God is impossible to enter without God. Uh, now, what does he mean by that? He says it's hard for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, that famous line, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, now, these words of Jesus are well known. Uh, they've disturbed many people and worried many people because it seems like Jesus is saying, if you have wealth, if you have money, you're doomed, right? No chance to enter the kingdom of God. What does Jesus mean here? There's more to it than this, but Jesus first means it's impossible to enter the kingdom of heaven on your own. Camel through the eye of a needle, it can't be done, right? If I had a camel up here and a needle, it just wouldn't happen, guys. Um, many people have tried to water down Jesus' words to say Jesus couldn't possibly mean, be meaning a camel through the eye of a needle. Um, and, and there's a couple of ways that they've tried to do it. They've tried to say Jesus didn't mean camel, it's a mistranslation. Jesus actually meant not, and K-N-O-T. So there's like a knot in a string and really hard to push it through, but in the end it's possible. Uh, and some other words, ways that people have tried to get around it is they've said um, there's a gate in Jerusalem that is called the eye of the needle and it's notoriously small and hard to fit. Camels can't fit through there um, ordinarily. And the way that you get a camel through is you need to unpack all the stuff off the camel and then get the camel to squat and kind of nudge it through, um, pushing it through. And eventually, the camel will make it through, and then you can repack it again. Um, however, the, the gate, the eye of the needle, does exist in Jerusalem, but it was built during medieval times. So Jesus is not referring to this, this obscure gate in Jerusalem like it's, it's actually possible. It's just really, really hard. He's not referring to a knot either. Um, both of these are attempts to water down Jesus' words to make Jesus more palatable to us. Uh, but the disciples know what Jesus is saying. They rightly say, who then can be saved? The disciples got the message. Jesus is saying it's impossible for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. And then Jesus, um, Jesus says, with man it's impossible, but not with God because all things are possible with God. You see, Jesus, Jesus actually brings the conversation full circle. At the beginning, 
There was this man with his DIY project. He thought, I can earn my way into heaven. I just need to do something. And Jesus says, no, the problem is, he points out his sin. You can't keep the whole law, Jesus says. And then Jesus shows him his sin. He places his wealth before God. And then Jesus diagnoses the problem to his disciples. Why won't this guy accept eternal life? And Jesus says, it's mankind. Mankind is the problem. They can't do it on their own. It's impossible. It'll take an act of God to open the door. All things are possible with God. Uh, we didn't read it today, but the very next passage after this one, Jesus tells his disciples, we're on our way to Jerusalem, where the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will be handed over to death. And so Jesus is actually on his way to make it possible to enter the kingdom of God, to make a way possible. It's only through Jesus' death and resurrection that we can enter the kingdom. Jesus needs to deal with our sin. It's impossible for us to obey the whole law. We all deserve to be separated from God, every single one of us. There wasn't a way, but because of Jesus, there is. Uh, I think that this passage, when, when Jesus says it is possible with God, I think it also refers to the work of God's Spirit. Uh, ordinarily, on our own, we wouldn't be willing to make big sacrifices to our life in order to accept Jesus. And the man was unwilling, right? Jesus said, here's the way, give up your possessions, come and follow me. But he prized his possessions over eternal life. After Jesus goes back up to heaven, God's Spirit comes and he convicts the world and gives people the ability, the courage and the resolve to seek God's kingdom and trust in Jesus instead of ourselves. The kingdom of heaven is impossible to enter without God. Uh, now, before we come to the last part of what we read, um, I, I think it's helpful now to consider that opening question. Did Jesus really say that about wealth? Do we need to ditch all of our money if we want to have eternal life? Well, let's, let's think about what we've heard so far. Jesus says to this man with his DIY project, I want to earn eternal life. If you're going to earn eternal life, you need to ditch your wealth and follow me. And we need to be careful and thoughtful about how we understand Jesus' words. Because Jesus is not saying this is true of all people for all time. The true way, the only way of entering the kingdom of God is through trust in Jesus. Saying sorry for our sins and the times that we've rebelled against God. Turning to live a new life with Jesus as our king. And Jesus gives us the free gift of entry into the kingdom of God. We're forgiven and we become his children. So today, if you were to try to follow Jesus' instructions for the man in order to enter the kingdom, it wouldn't actually work. You could give all your money to the poor, but lots of people do that who don't love Jesus, who aren't a part of the kingdom of heaven. Um, I don't know how you would literally follow Jesus today since he's not actually uh, presently on the earth in a bodily form. He's up in, he's up in heaven with God. Right? The man, the man that came to Jesus today was working off a faulty blueprint. Jesus was saying, if you want to work with what you have, here's how to get here. But the blueprint was broken. Ah, so what does Jesus mean? He meant and he taught the man that wealth can be a barrier to entering the kingdom of God. And he teaches his disciples the kingdom of heaven is impossible to enter without God. 
But, there's a big but here. This doesn't mean that we disregard Jesus' words about wealth. Ah, there, there are many things that we can take away from what Jesus says about wealth. In the kingdom of God, there's a change to how we view everything. Everything. The kingdom of God, what is it like? Jesus has its king. We enter by saying sorry for our sin and repenting and turning. And then we seek to live a new life with Jesus as our king. Life with Jesus as our king means that our entire lives are reshaped. The Bible says, uh, the old is gone, the new has come. It'll affect all of our lives. It'll affect things like uh, our time, what we love, what we watch. It'll affect the words we use, how we speak, how we drive, our attitudes, our passions. And it'll even affect our use of money. It'll change what we spend our money on. It'll change what we give our money to. It'll change when we save our money, how we save it, and what we save it for. And this is because we're living as children of the kingdom, with Jesus as our king, seeking to follow him as best we can. So this may mean in the kingdom that some things we might not buy, There might be some places that we don't go because we're called to use our money as God has directed us. And we might invest in people who are sharing God's word because we're called to by God. Using money differently is not about gaining entry into the kingdom. For us, once we've come to know Jesus, once we're in the kingdom, we become stewards of our money under God, using it for His purposes. Uh, Now, to be very clear, the advice to this rich man is not general advice for all believers or all people. When we enter the kingdom of heaven, we use our wealth to please God. And all of us need to put careful thought into how we do this. Uh, now, a few, a few provisos. This does not mean we need to make ourselves poor. Uh, Abraham, Boaz, Job, uh, they're all examples of rich, godly men in the Old Testament who use their wealth for good. Uh, We're right to enjoy this world that God has made and we have financial responsibilities to our families, to the government, uh, maybe to the bank or another person or institution. Uh, In the early church, people were encouraged to work uh, and to give what they had to serve others. Uh, And this also doesn't mean that you can never spend money on yourself. Uh, This calls, what does this call for? This calls for very, very careful wisdom. We are very rich in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of God. Even with, a, even with a cost of living crisis, even with a housing crisis, we are very, very well off. Each of us needs to consider, do I please God with how I use my money? In the kingdom of God, we're stewards of everything that God's given us. Uh, And this is the way that God always intended. When we trust in Jesus, we're turning from the old way of life that we used to live, and we're returning to living the way that God has called us to. Not to earn our salvation, can't earn it, 
but to please God as our king. Uh, now, this can be hard. It can bring significant challenges. It can bring worries, and, and the disciples are concerned about this. Peter says, like, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus addresses this. Here's what he says about it. Jesus says, I assure you, there is no one who has left house, brothers or sisters, mother or father, children or fields because of me and the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Uh, there is a cost to following Jesus. Some will leave homes for Jesus. Some will leave communities and loved ones. Some will leave fields. There's a cost. The possibility of persecutions. But Jesus says that the reward is worth it. The kingdom of God is worth it. God provides for those in the kingdom. Those who leave, Jesus says, will receive a hundred times over in this life. And we see this most clearly among missionaries. But I wonder, do we see this as the reality for all Christians? God cares for his people. He provides for them in ways that we might not expect. We don't need to fear losing our wealth. We don't need to fear giving up um, uh, various possessions and things for God. God will provide. We've heard tonight the kingdom of God is greater than wealth. Wealth can be a barrier to entering the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is impossible to enter without God. And the kingdom of heaven comes with many blessings and struggles in this life, but it is worth it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that although it was impossible to enter eternal life and to be a part of your kingdom, that you made a way through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We thank you the way is open for everyone to receive eternal life and that the way to receive it is to trust in Jesus. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would make us bold with our wealth and our possessions. Give us a willingness to use them for your honor and glory. May we be wise and thoughtful in how we use the things that we, you have given us. May we be stewards. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're going to stand and sing our next song, so please stand.